Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. Having a good weekend so far? Everybody doing well? Well, I want to welcome you all here to Hope City Community Church. Today, we're going to dig into God's Word. And I promise you this, if you go into God's Word, you'll be sharpened, challenged, and increased. Amen. So we're going to go into the Word here in just a minute. Before I do, I just want to give you a few announcements. Um, To second what Alicia said, uh, small group Sunday is next weekend. Uh, I'm leading a small group of calling hot dogs. How many of y'all have dogs in here? Yeah, we're going to meet at the, uh, um, the dog park. There at Twin Hills, if you want to come hang out, it's going to be on Saturday mornings. You know, nothing better than getting up early on Saturday morning, chasing your dog around with those little green baggies. Amen. Yeah, that's great, huh? Uh, so we're going to be out there and hang out. How many of you guys have cats? I want to see you at the stage after church for prayer. Okay, we don't have cat small groups, but we could if you'd lead one. So think about it. Uh, also, uh, church merch is available today. Uh, let me explain this whole uh, sweatshirt, hoodie, t-shirt thing. Um, we are building the Hope Center. Amen. We're excited about that. Uh, and this is an opportunity uh, for you to acquire church merchandise, and 100% of those proceeds go to the Hope Center. So if you want a sweatshirt, a hoodie, t-shirt, long sleeve t-shirt, whatever you want, those are for sale today. Uh, you just walk down the hallway, go past the foyer, and there'll be somebody there waiting uh, with the table, and you can acquire those today. Also, Hope Sisters, uh, I'm excited about that. I do want to point something out a little bit strange. Uh, when she said Hope Sisters, I heard a guy go, yeah! We're not that kind of church. We use traditional pronouns. Okay. Uh, however, however, we do have deliverance ministry. Now, there is a chance that he was like, yeah, to get rid of his wife for a night. (laughs) If that's the case, we also have deliverance ministry. Okay, so you just (laughs) come see your boy after church. We'll work something out, okay? Uh, Either way, that's for the ladies. uh, The ladies. Right. Where my ladies at? (laughs) All right, now. Yeah. I'm preaching the wrong thing, apparently. Okay. Guys, we're going to finish this uh, message I started last week called The Promise, the Pit, and the Palace. And uh, we're talking about characteristics that are necessary to navigate today's marketplace. All of these characteristics are found uh, in one person. And my prayer is that they're found in you as well. Uh, But our topic of conversation today is a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph's life is found in the book of Genesis. Uh, we're going to see uh, chapter 37, and then we're going to jump to chapter 39. And uh, we're just going to learn a little bit more about Joseph. Last week, we talked about three characteristics that Joseph portrayed that helped him navigate some pretty tough times. Uh, the first thing was vision. You got to have vision, right? Where are you going? What's the purpose behind what you're doing? The next is initiative. Go further than other people are willing to go. And then you have to have confidence. Confidence that the Lord has brought you there. And he's taking you where you're supposed to go. Amen. And so today we're going to continue with that thread. And we're going to talk about three remaining characteristics that are found in Joseph's life that helped propel him to where God was calling him to go. 
Um, so we pick up in Joseph's life last week. His brothers had sold him um, into slavery. They held him in a pit. They wanted to kill him, but then one of his brothers spoke up and said, let's not kill him, uh, and they sold him instead. Well, this week in studying, I saw this, this little piece of information that I went and hunted down. The scripture says that he was sold to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites. Now, honestly, when you're being sold to someone, to you, it's probably irrelevant that you're, you're just being sold. You're being treated horribly, right? Um, but can I tell you that if you knew history and you knew the word, that would mean something to you. And let me explain. Three generations previous, Abraham, uh, who is the father of Isaac, who is the father of Jacob, who is the father of Joseph. Abraham's first son's name was Ishmael. The people that bought Joseph were his distant cousins, grandchildren of Ishmael. Why is that cool? The reason why that's so cool is because we don't understand why God allowed Ishmael to be born. If you go read the story of Abraham, it's like, why would God allow this to happen? It just seems like it's out of place. Here's what's powerful about it. Three generations later, God used the Ishmaelites to put Joseph exactly where he was supposed to be. God was using those who had set their hand against God as an Uber for Joseph. Come on, somebody. That's exciting today, isn't it? So here, here's what I want you to, to, to kind of pick up from that, is that there are times where it seems like people who are doing the wrong thing are getting all the blessings. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever asked the question, why do good things happen to bad people? Right? Seems like the bad people are getting everything, right? Let me tell you something. The Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Amen? So when you see people around you that aren't doing things right being blessed, just go ahead and say, more, God. Give them more. Because the more you give them, the more I can expect from you. Amen? They may be your Uber in the future, baby. So you want them to have the nicest ride they can have. Come on, somebody. So you just go ahead and you get turned. That got me excited this week. I'm sorry. I just, I just, I'm, hey, I, I, are y'all like me? You used to get frustrated when good things happen to bad people. Lord, it just seemed like, it seemed like all the good stuff's happening to the wrong people. And God said, yeah, I'm giving them things. I'm giving you character. Ooh, y'all, y'all ain't ready. Go and put your seatbelts on. Go and put your seatbelts on. See, first service, they, <laughs> I just warmed up on them. Y'all finna get it now. You finna get it. Genesis chapter 39, verse 7 through 9. We pick up Joseph has been sold into slavery. Now he is sold to a man named Potiphar, who is a captain and a chief of the, uh, the people of Egypt. Sold to Potiphar. And the scripture says that Potiphar, <coughs> Potiphar saw the favor of God in Joseph's life and put him in charge of his entire house. Well, then Potiphar's wife comes along. Look at your neighbor and say, uh-oh. Verse 7, it says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, cast longing eyes on Joseph. Ooh. Wendy cast longing eyes on me. <laughs> and it usually means trouble. Trouble. She's ain't up to no good. You know what I'm talking about? So Potiphar's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. He refused, 
said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Have you ever had to choose between doing it God's way and the flesh's way? You see, Joseph was in a position that had he given in to her temptations, his life probably would have been made better. Potiphar wasn't ever around. Joseph was in charge. Now, if he is to deny this woman, things are going to get rough. Doing it God's way is not always easy. I don't know how you were raised. I don't know who, who taught you before today. But what I can tell you is this, is sometimes there is a price to pay for doing it God's way. There's a price to pay. But can I tell you this? That price always buys something very valuable in your future. When we do it God's way, right? And so the first characteristic I want to talk to you about that God was producing in Joseph uh, is the characteristic of integrity. Integrity. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, it says, He who walks with integrity walks securely. He who perverts his ways will become known. That means if you do it the wrong way, it's going to be found out. It's going to be made public. The Bible says that everything done in the darkness will be brought to light. So God had a plan for Joseph's life, and Joseph said, I'm going to do it your way. God, I'm going to follow you. Now let me tell you what he got for doing it God's way. Potiphar comes home, and his wife accuses Joseph of a sexual assault. Joseph never laid a single hand on her, trying to honor God. And Potiphar's wife accuses him of being forceful, um, committing this horrible act. Potiphar, knowing the character of Joseph, but having to choose between someone he knows of, man of integrity, or his wife, doesn't have much of a choice. So he calls for Joseph to be arrested and thrown into prison. I ask you again, have you ever been in a season where it just felt like for doing right, you were getting wrong? Have you ever been in a season, maybe at work, maybe as, as a career, where you saw people doing things wrong, progressing in their career, getting raises, getting promotions, and you doing the right thing, seemed like you were just stuck where you are? Can I tell you, that's okay. The Bible says ill-gotten gain uh, is, is like gravel in somebody's mouth. That is just you, you can chew on it, but it's going to destroy you more than you destroy it, right? Uh, ill-gotten gain will destroy you. And so if somebody gets gain for doing the wrong things, let them have it. They don't even realize they're marching toward devastation. You keep doing it God's way. Here's the powerful thing about integrity. First, let's identify what is integrity. Integrity is the practice of being honest and showing a consistent and uncompromising adherence to strong moral and ethical principles and values. That's a mouthful. The main thing I want you to see is consistent and uncompromising. Are you consistent and uncompromising? Now, here's the funniest part is consistent and compromising. You can do the right thing uh, for a short amount of time 
That's not diligence. Right? That's not what we're talking about here. That's not you being integral. Integral is you putting in the work day in, day out. And integrity is when you do that even when nobody's watching. Right? When you do the right things even when nobody's watching, that means that that drive to do right comes from within you, not a pressure that's outside of you. And we talked last week about doing everything is unto the Lord. Integrity. I tell Maddie and Gabe, and now even Nora at seven, I tell them everybody in this world could be jerks but us. Dad, what do you mean? Anybody can respond how they want to respond but us. Why? Because we have to be consistent. Right? We have to show good character. We have to make sure that everything we do shows integrity. Why? Because our integrity reflects heaven. You see, the powerful thing is that these characteristics I'm talking about, if you call yourself a believer and you lack one of these things, you indict heaven. That's why we have to do better. Now, here's what's interesting to me, is that integrity, being honest, even when nobody's looking, uh, challenges us in every unique format. I'll never forget, I was talking to somebody a few years ago, and they told me, they said, Praise God. They said, I got paid for hours I didn't work. Let's dig into that for a second. I said, did you go talk to your boss about it? No, no, it's a blessing. Why would I want to mess it up? I said, what if they paid you to see if you'll bring it up? Never thought about it like that. No, we seldom do. We always think of integrity as it pertains to the people opposing us, don't we? Well, they didn't do X, Y, and Z, and God's saying, but what are you doing? You see, God builds character in his children. Everybody else, praise God, that's on them, but our character's on us as his children. Everybody can do what they want to do but us. We're children of God. Amen. The next thing I want to talk to you about is diligence. Diligence is this. It's a focused and consistent effort. Focused and consistent effort. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4, says, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, says, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Let's catch up with Joseph. Joseph is accused of sexual assault. Throw him in prison. But what's interesting about Joseph is that the character that's within him is not uh, skewed by the stimuli from outside of him. And this is why it's powerful that we do everything as unto the Lord. Because if we do everything as unto the Lord, irrelevant of what's going on around us, we stay true to him. And see, diligence being what it is, it, it means that no matter what is going on, I'm going to do the right thing at the right time. It's integrity in action, right? Being diligent. So let, let's look at a pattern. When Joseph was born, Something happened. He was doing something where he became the favorite child of his father. Well, then they put him in a pit, uh, and then something happened. They sold him into slavery. Then he became the favorite person of Potiphar. Wait a second. A little pattern starting to develop. Well, then they, they, they accuse him of sexual assault, so they throw him in prison. But then something happens. He becomes second in charge only to the head of the prison. 
Let me tell you what the secret sauce is to that action. Diligence. Diligence says no matter what's going on or where I am, I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do the right things. Irrelevant of the hand I've been dealt, I'm going to be consistent and diligent in everything they've asked me to do. Now, Wendy and I uh, go to the gym-ish. <laughs> Isn't that funny? All right. Have y'all ever been that way? You go to the gym-ish? Well, <laughs> this, this year's been a little different. Wendy had a little procedure that kind of knocked us out for a couple of days. You know, if she can't go, I mean, why should I go, right? Look for excuses not to be diligent, don't we? What was funny was, is that leading up to Christmas and New Year's, we were very diligent in that action, going day in, day out on the days we were scheduled to go. The first week of the year, man, you couldn't get a treadmill in there. At Planet Fitness, there's like 30 treadmills in there, and they're all full. It's like, praise God, the whole city of Crestview is excited about health. The second week of the year, Thin and out a little, right? Starting to be some treadmills open up. The third week of the year, man, it was like a ghost town in that mug. In three weeks, people dropped off that fast. And I'll never forget the first time we walked in, Wendy goes, there's no treadmills open. I said, give it a couple weeks. She goes, what do you mean? I said, this is all New Year's resolution trash. Ain't nobody going to stick with this. Ain't nobody going to stick with this. She goes, you think? I said, yeah. She goes, Maybe when you find another gym, I said, maybe we need to take two weeks off and see what happens. <laughs> just be at rest and pray about it. Let's just pray about it. <laughs> What's funny is, is that people lack diligence. Now, let's, 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 let, let's just tap dance on our own dance floor for a second. A lot of times, we will be consistent for a short season and look for the rewards of diligence. We will be consistent for a short season. And then we're shocked when the reward for diligence isn't issued. Diligence remains diligent even when the reward isn't given. And so we're, 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 in, a, we're in an environment and in a world and in a culture that everything is I want my reward now for what I might do in the future. Y'all must not know the people I know. We want the blessing for the diligence when we really are just scratching the surface of consistency. Diligence is when you look back over a large swath of your life and you've done something day in, day out. For Joseph, it looked like this. When I was in my father's house, when he asked me to go get my brothers, I went the extra mile. I always did more than what he asked. He gave me a coat of many colors, by the way, because he appreciated the extra effort. Extra effort brings extra favor. My brothers didn't like that at all. They stuck me in a pit. Sold me to our cousins, who then sold me to a guy named Potiphar. I served him like I served dad. Well, I got promoted quickly in his house. But his wife was, her heart was torn. She treated me carelessly. Potiphar didn't want to, but he 
he had me arrested. And they threw me in the bottom of the prison. But I served the prison leadership out of diligence. See, the world we live in would look at Joseph and say, why on earth would you? I'd be so bitter. I'd be flipping tables long before I got to the prison. You hear me? Here's what Joseph's reply would be. I'm not serving man. I'm serving God. I'm doing all of this as unto the Lord. You see, I've had my leaders change enough times that I realize where my promotion comes from. Everything shifts but this God thing. Everything changes but who I worship. So my consistency and my diligence don't come from earthly things. My diligence is rooted in things that are eternal. So I'm not swayed when they throw me in a pit. I'm not swayed when they sold me to be a slave. I'm not swayed when they sold me to Potiphar. So I'm not going to be swayed when his wife accuses me of something. Not even going to be swayed in the bottom of the Joseph's diligence begins to work his way up in the ranks of the prison. And pretty soon, he's in charge of the entire prison. The way our culture works is we would look at Joseph's life and say, wait a second, you started as favorite. Now here you are in a dungeon doing rations, doing these measurements, making sure there's enough food, making sure there's enough space, making sure you're managing these thousands of prisoners, making sure you're, Joseph, you, you've really taken a downturn. What we don't realize is that the character we lack is developed in hard seasons. And what God was calling Joseph to, the character that was needed for where he was going, could only be developed in the grit and the grime of the prison. Let me put it a different way to you. Because he was diligent, Joseph was born to a very wealthy father. Very wealthy father. A descendant of Abraham. Very wealthy. He learned how to maneuver in a wealthy home. He learned etiquette. How to speak only when spoken to how to sit, how to respond, how to carry himself in a certain manner. Then they sold him into slavery. Took him to Potiphar's house. There he learned to serve as a servant, to to create opportunities to make someone else's life better besides himself. Okay. Falsely accused. Prison. But there... He develops a gift for managing vast quantities of resources and people. Every one of those gifts had to be present for him to step into his greatest calling. What was that calling? Joseph's in prison, still functioning in his gifts, still being diligent. Matter of fact, Two of the prisoners that were in prison with Joseph 
uh, have an issue with the dreams. And we know Joseph is a dreamer, a visionary. He knows how to handle a dream. So they come to Joseph and they give him their visions. And he gives them the meaning of their dreams. He says, trust me, I've had dreams since I was a kid. By the way, be careful who you share your dreams with, right? So they share their dreams with Joseph. And Joseph begins to tell them the meaning of their dreams. One of them, bad news, one gets good news. The one that gets good news is restored a few years later uh, to lead and to live Pharaoh. And one night, Pharaoh has a dream that troubled him and overwhelmed him to the point where he had no peace. So he asks around and he says, is there anyone who can tell me what my dream means? And he calls for the elect, the, the, the magicians and the sorcerers and the religious leaders, and nobody can tell him what his dream means. All of a sudden, this cupbearer says, hey, when I was in the clank, this old guy named Joe, he told me what my dream meant. Matter of fact, he told me I'd be serving you drinks today. Harold says, his name was Joe. He was in my prison? Yeah, downstairs, dungeon. Okay. Reaches over to his right hand and says, go get me a man named Joseph out of the prison. Bring him here been diligent in his father's house, been diligent in Potiphar's house, been diligent in Pharaoh's dungeon, and now time for the big show. He stands before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, I hear you interpret dreams. Yeah, dreams have got me in a lot of trouble over the years. In other words, what got me here has not been easy. I have developed faith in my gifting. So that when I'm staring at you, you think you're a big deal? Oh, I have stared at the will of God and I'm still here. Pharaoh, your dream don't scare me. So Pharaoh says, here's my dream. Joseph says, let me pray about it and ask God. Because we always want to give God the praise and the glory for our gifts. Amen. Had Joseph just spilled off, Joseph would have received all the glory for it. He tells Pharaoh the meaning of his dream. Instantly, Pharaoh had peace and understanding. There was going to be a feast for seven years and a famine for seven years. God, God speaks through Joseph and he says, if you'll manage this correctly, your people will not suffer. and They will say you're a wise leader, but you've got to make sure that you're harvesting correctly, you're saving correctly, you're preparing correctly, because that way when the hard years come, you'll have enough to get you through. Seven years of increase, seven years of loss. Pharaoh looks at Joseph and says, tell me how you knew that. He says, I've been spending time with God for a long time. This dream thing has been troublesome. This gift I have came at a cost. Being diligent has not been easy. Pharaoh says, here's what I'm going to do. Because I see this story of your life. I see this pattern. I see that I pulled you out of a prison. Before that was Potiphar, before that was a pit. I'm going to put you in a position that you never dreamed. I'm going to make you second only to me in all of Egypt. Joseph just laughed. Second only to you, huh? Never heard that before. See, Joseph had been, been prepared for this since the day he was born. 
You see, you and I want to look at the pit. We want to look at Potiphar's house. We want to look at the prison. But the whole time, God was watching the palace. And the things that we develop in hard seasons are necessary because God has a palace for you. See, the enemy wants you to focus on that pit. He wants you to focus on what other people think about you. God says, now watch the palace, baby. It's coming. And then he wants you to watch how other people are promoted around you. Okay, the palace is coming. Then he wants you to watch how people have made false accusations about you. He says, it's okay. The palace is coming. He wants you to see how you feel overworked and overtired and underappreciated like Joseph was in the prison. Get ready. The palace is coming. All of that to build up for Joseph to stand in front of Pharaoh, tell him his dream, and then grab Egypt by the reins. Everything he learned up to that day was put to use. This is why it's imperative for us to be diligent. Diligence says stay even when it hurts. Diligence says don't quit even though it's hard. Diligence says my boss can act any way they want, but I'm going to act the way God wants me to act. Right? Why is that important? Because you are currently in one of those situations heading toward the palace. And you will need the character you are creating and developing right now when you get there. If you leave prematurely without diligence, you will lack what you need to lead. You will be an anemic leader. How do I know that? Because I've worked for them. I've worked for people who made it to the top, but they were full of fear. I've worked for people who made it to the top and they couldn't manage funds. They got there too early. They left too soon. I want better things for you. So does the Lord. So he creates these seasons and, and, and we kick and scream like children, don't we? I don't like this level. No fun. Let me tell you a little story. Nora, my seven-year-old, she brings home a book this week, and it's got a little green dot on it. She goes, ugh. I said, what is it? She goes, it's a green dot. I want a green dot. It's a green dot. She goes, so much harder than an orange dot. I want an orange dot. Child, are you, are you have a fever? What is wrong with you? You're not even making sense. She goes, Three weeks ago, I started on Orange Dot. And now I've read all the Orange Dot books. And now they just gave me Green Dot books. And I said, you're still not making any sense. She goes, well, before Orange, I was on Blue Dots. And Blue Dots were easy. And then they handed me Orange Dots, and they were hard. But then they handed me these Green Dots, and Dad, I don't even know what half the words in this book are. I said, okay, I understand. I said, so blue dots were easy. Yeah. So these, these, these green dots, I get them confused. These, these were kind of middle. She goes, well, they were hard at first, but then they got easier. I see. I said, Nora, what you're learning is so valuable. God's given it to you early in life. 
You have to understand that with new levels come new devils. Every step up is another fist fight in the spirit. And I said, the quicker you realize that, the more beautiful your life's going to be. Because you'll get to the place to where they bring out a green dot. You're like, come on, let's roll. The next time they're going to bring out a purple dot, you'll be like, bring it. Let's roll. Let's do it. She goes, Dad, I don't think they have purple dots. <laughs> Glad you got the point. But I said, here's the truth, Nora. I said, they have entrusted you with a new level. I said, your teachers have placed you in harder books because you're ready. And I said, it may look like they're being mean. I said, but the truth is, I said, they're just doing what God created them to do in your life. They are working weakness out of your vocabulary. They are working childish things out of your mind and putting grown things in your mind. You're starting to develop it's not a baby anymore. You're not a toddler anymore. Now you're a little girl and you've got to learn how to read like a little girl. So that way, when you're a woman, you'll learn how to read like a woman. She goes, but it's not fun. I said, trust me, I know. I said, dad just got some green dots himself last week. I feel like I'm being promoted on a weekly basis and I'm having to fight for nearly everything. Can I tell you, trying to build a hope center in a part of town the devil has fought for years is not easy. And when you go out and you tell people things like, it's going to be a seven-day-a-week beacon of hope. The devil is going to fight you. But see, the thing is, is he fought me when we tried to start Hope City too. See, that was like my orange dots. So the Hope Center ain't nothing to me but a green dot. Right. Put your fists up, devil. I whooped you in the orange dots. By the Spirit of God, I'm going to whoop your head in the green dots too. I don't know where you're at, but it's just a dot. It's just a season. Get what you're supposed to get and move on. Don't run from it. Develop. Don't dodge it. Get the blessing. Because by running from your current season, you might just be dodging a characteristic that you will find necessary at your next. Don't do it. Don't do it. The Lord needs non-anemic leaders. People who went through the grind to get where they got. Last thing I want to teach you about is a characteristic of humility. All this other character can be flushed down the toilet without this last one. If you don't function in humility. I love that Joseph said, let me go talk to God about your dream. In other words, I'm not here on my own. Huh. I'm just one of Jacob's boys. I had a coat of many colors, but standing in front of Pharaoh, nah, man, nobody ever dreamed about that. Yeah, I need to, I need to go talk to God about this situation. So he goes, he talks to God, God gives him the information necessary. See this, just like God, he gives us information as necessary. You know what I find funny about that? 
God could have showed Joseph Pharaoh's dream when he was still in Jacob's house. Think about that. Wouldn't that have made his life so much easier? I want you to go from Jacob's house straight to Pharaoh and read a dream. It would have been easier. God said, you'd have missed what's beautiful in the journey. You would have missed the development necessary. I don't know why I keep harping on that. It just feels like there's somebody here that's about to make a move to dodge something you need. Don't move prematurely. The Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. Unless he's ordering your move, hold. I don't know who that's for, but I feel the Holy Spirit just shaking me right now to say that to somebody. Don't move. Hold. Yes, there's a fight. Yes, there's trouble. Yes, there's issues. I get that. But it's in that fight. It's in that season. It's in those issues where the greatest beauty is created. Hold till the next step is ordered. So Joseph gets a word from God, goes back to Pharaoh and says, God told me. Let me show you what that looks like to Pharaoh. I know you want to make it about me, but it's about him, it's about God. See, Joseph knew where his blessing came from. Through this whole season, through the ups, the downs, the pits, the palace, Potiphar, the whole thing, Joseph knew that it was God that was leading him all the way. So wherever you're at in life, realize there's someone who would trade places with you right now. There's always somebody who would trade places with you. You think it's so bad. <laughs> I promise you, you ain't got to look far for somebody who would swap like that. There are people begging God to get where you are at. You hear me? Don't miss that. Because see, a life of humility creates this ability to be full of joy, even in the hardest times. Realizing that God has placed you where you're at. And see, God's placed you there. He'll keep you while you're there. He'll provide for you while you're there. He'll increase you while you're there. The life of Joseph is not specific just to Joseph. That's for you too. That whether you're in a pit, whether you're in your father's house, whether you're just beginning, whether you're in Potiphar's house, maybe you're in your first job outside of your family, maybe you're in the prison, Maybe you're managing more than you've ever managed and you feel overwhelmed. Hold. Palace is coming. You're supposed to learn something now that you'll need then. But that humility says, God, I know it's you that brought me here. And I yield to you. I've prayed to quit before. Have you ever prayed? Have you ever asked God to end a season? I'm telling you, I say this all the time. I have begged God to close doors that he held open. And I didn't realize in the moment that what was supposed to come through the door had not come through yet. And I was asking God to close a door that would have pushed me away from my blessing. So my humility says, God, not me, you. It positions me. It postures me in such a way that says, God, it's not what I want. It's what you want. 
If we all posture ourselves that way, there's a great blessing that's waiting. A great blessing that's waiting. See, here's my desire in teaching this. That will become believers that hell or high water, our belief isn't affected. You see, the world is seeing Christians act just like the world. The term Christian has been watered down because of the way we have acted. Too soon? Too painful? Too close to home? So I'm saying for 2024 to be better, we've got to change. The Bible says that correction begins in the house of the Lord. So let us pick our banners of Christianity up once more, dust off from the failures of the past, and let's do it God's way in 24. Let's work with vision. Let's work with integrity. Let's work with diligence. And all these characteristics, let's function with a humility. It says, I don't represent myself. I represent Jesus Christ. And you act how you want to act, but it will not change me and how I'm going to respond. I'm going to hold until my king says go. I'm going to love irrelevant of how you treat me. I'm going to get in this season what I came to get. If you live that way, I promise you this. This year will be different than any year before. Amen. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. Luke 14.11 says, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. You want to humble yourself or you want circumstances to humble you? Let me put it a different way. You want to exalt yourself or you want God to exalt you? I'll take his exalting any day. You see, my exalting would look like I don't know, maybe, maybe some more time off occasionally. I don't know. Maybe a couple more bucks. I don't know. See, his exalting looks like this. Peace that surpasses understanding. Joy in the face of turmoil. Patience and strength and understanding that go beyond human capacity. I'll take his exalting over mine. I'm limited, but he is not. Let's do it his way. We do it his way. He's got a palace waiting on all of us. See, the truth is, is there's a picture in this story and no matter how high you climb, you'll always answer to a king. I don't care what your title is. You answer to a king. <laughs> See, some of us that scares, and some of us that makes us want to break out and worship. 
because we know how good our king is. Some of us, it makes us afraid because we've made mistakes. We think the king is waiting to crack down on us. Those who read the Bible and understand the grace that's connected to this king, you realize that your mistakes do not separate you from his favor. So, no, you answer to it. And it just so happens that King Jesus is also your brother, joint heir with you in Christ Jesus, praying for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, is praying for you and on your behalf. I say you answer to a king. Her <laughs> service didn't get that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's faithful. Lord, we love you. I thank you for loving us the way you do. Lord, I want to thank you for my pit. Come on, just begin to thank him for your pit. Thank you for being in Potiphar's house. Thank you for the things that were developed in me. Lord, I would not be the pastor, the leader, the father, the husband that I needed to be without my pit. Lord, I thank you that what I thought had been meant to destroy me just quantum leaped me to where you had called me to be. Thank you for my Ishmaelites. Glory to God. We just give you praise. And Lord, there are some who are finding it hard to give you praise at this moment because all they see are the walls that surround them of their pit. They don't see the generations that have been orchestrated to carry them to their next. They don't see that, yes, they may be in a pit, but the Ishmaelites are coming to turn our eyes toward heaven from where our redemption comes from. The one thing about the pit, Joseph never lost sight of heaven. The Lord help us to not lose sight of you today. It might not look how we thought it would look. It might not feel the way we thought it would feel. Our life may not be what we thought it would be right now. But you're taking us somewhere. It feels heavy. At times we feel like we don't have what we need. Lord, there are days I don't even feel like who you call me to be. But I know that you don't call the equipped. You equip the called. And just because I don't have it yet does not mean it's not on its way. So in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you. Both in my wins and my losses. Both in my palace and my pit. Because you have been God the same. You have not changed. So I thank you today. 
thank you today. Thank you for my coat of many colors. Thank you, Lord, whether the world acknowledges or not, you do. You call me your beloved. You tell me I'm favored. That I'm highly favored of the King. So even when I don't feel it, I choose to believe that. And I say thank you. You have been faithful when I have failed. You always bring me back. I thank you for that. Lord, bless each person here with the understanding that your ways are a little different than ours. That your seasons and the seasons of heaven do not necessarily line up with the seasons of earth. Give us the wisdom not to look into the natural for the things of the supernatural. That's true wisdom. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church, can I just have like two minutes? Can I just have two minutes? If you need to go, I get it. Give me just two minutes. I just feel like the Lord's wanting to say something. You're here. You say, Pastor, I am miserable. I'm miserable at my job. I'm miserable when I'm home. I'm miserable when I'm off. I'm miserable when I'm on. I'm miserable when I'm in, when I'm out, when I'm going, when I'm coming. I'm miserable. I'm just ready for this season to end. I don't see what I'm supposed to be gaining. I don't understand this. But what I thought was a season of blessing feels like a season of labor that was not sold to me correctly. I don't see the blessing in my seat. Can't see it. That's you raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. The Father. Restore the joy of the Lord to your people. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on your children. Renew in us a clean spirit and a contrite heart. And allow us to see that they are seasons, not lives. This too shall pass. And Father, if it happens to be that there is a season, a door, that the wicked one is holding open, that you desire to close, I pray by the Spirit of the living God that door close right now in Jesus' name. No weapon, no timing, no season formed against them will prosper. Now open doors, but do it in your way. Do it in your timing. Lord, if, it's, if, if, if you just need them to sit still, let them sit still. But Lord, never one time in your word does it say we have to sit without your fruit. So give them love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Give them all of your fruit. 
even in darkness, there's a light within us. Lord, in those dark seasons, just let them be reminded that greater is he that's within them than he that's within the world. We trust you. We trust you in our right now. It is so easy to trust you in the palace that's yet to come. It's even easy to trust you in the past that has been beautiful. But the right now is sticky. It's hard. I get that. So Lord, help us in the right nows. Help us in the seasons where we can't see the other season. Thank you for that. I just release the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, go. Go, bring peace and joy. Go and restore the peace of our first loves. Just go and just bring us that energy of when we first found you again. Give us the wisdom of understanding season. Give you praise for that. Father, for each person that raised their hand and even those who may feel it and didn't raise their hand, I thank you a new season is coming. I declare and decree in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, new seasons will come. I thank you for new seasons. Seasons of fruitfulness, seasons of increase, seasons of challenge, but seasons of success. Seasons of victory for your children seasons. Release them now. Release them now. We rebuke the hand of the enemy in Jesus' name. We rebuke depression that lies to us and tries to paint a picture different than the reality of heaven. We rebuke that spirit. We rebuke the spirit of lack that tries to bind up blessings that have our names on them. I say, release them now in Jesus' name. May the blessings that God has ordained for me to come now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. 2024 is going to hit a little different. The enemy's going to come a little harder. That's okay. We said it earlier, new levels, new devils. We get that. Lord, there's also fresh anointing. That anointing breaks the yokes of every bondage. Father, whatever it is that's hindering and holding your people, I just speak it broken in the name of Jesus. I thank you. Thank you for your loving kindness. Lord, bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus. From the top of our head to the soles of our feet, I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. I thank you that 2024 is going to be a year of supernatural increase for each person here. That we will see, not hear about it, we will see it and lay our hand to the goodness of God in the land of the living this year. We will walk in humility knowing that it came from you. Bring us back next week with more wisdom, 
and more of your word locked away in our hearts. Jesus name and everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.